which then brings me on to my second talk very quickly. This requires a bit more audience participation here, which obviously is deliberate, so it's to keep you awake for the Eucharist, obviously, because obviously it's, 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 it's important that like, you bring your fully formed whole self-like to Christ's presence rather than you're a bit dozy and, and you might dodge and, and, you might, and you might nod off because I kind of to put you to sleep before lunch. So it's a deliberate tactic. Now, here's the good news. You can't be wrong. You can be utterly misguided and deluded, by the way, but like you can't be wrong. So here's the thing. Christian faith is built upon a whole set of binaries, a whole set of contested balances. If, if we don't in academic terms, I'll talk about an ongoing series of dialectics. At the heart of it is Jesus Christ our risen Lord and Saviour, fully human and yet divine. We worship God that is both transcendent beyond us and yet is imminent within and around us. In the faith in which there is, on the one hand, the spirit that transcends difference and yet it's the spirit that also helps us to understand who we are within our particularity, our particular cultures. All those things are ongoing conversations that the Christian church, the faith itself has wrestled with from the year dot. And one of the reasons why I think Christianity both resists and subverts as well as engages with and is complicit with empire is because even within the construction of the faith itself, there are ways in which how we think about God and how we do church, how we do belonging, how we do ecclesia, assembly, are ways that affirm both our sense of being specific, of being particular. So in my whole rhetoric, I'm not being anti-British. I'm just asking us to be more honest about why it is that we think of ourselves in particular ways, because all of us think of ourselves in particular ways. I know that when I'm sat here, as I'm talking to you, there's my rational head that says I'm here because like, you're inviting me in and I'm academic and I'm blah, 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 blah. And there's another part of me, which is the, the visceral bit, which is not well thought through. It's just a set of incoherent emotions and instincts that says, yeah, but I'm a nonconformist Methodist from West Yorkshire, well, actually from Bradford, and you lot represent the antithesis of everything I was taught, to brought, I was taught and brought up to be and think of as being correct. You know, so that concentration is happening in my head. Therefore, what I want to say in, in the spirit of generosity is that part of the issues of Brexit is that they're not wholly rational things. They're things that we are wrestling with because they are part and parcel of what it is to be human. But also, the Christian faith has participated in and challenged that. So here's how I'm going to set up this exercise. On the one hand, so I think in terms of Jesus, because after all, if in doubt, it's all about Jesus. So think in terms of Jesus. 
On the one hand, we have the Jesus of history. A Jew, a rabbi, a Galilean. His particularity is significant because that's the stories we read in Scripture. The stories we read in the Gospels and the witness that people are attesting to is this particular individual, which therefore tells us that there is something important from the incarnation about particularity. All of us come from a particular place. If I was to ask every one of you your roots, your R-O-O-T-S, all of us have roots of where we've come from and those things that have shaped us. So, for example, how many of you are, are, London, are born Londoners? Okay. And how many of you have travelled into London from some other place? I guess there are even conversations about that in terms of those who have travelled in and those who are native-born Londoners. All of us have our roots. All of us are shaped by. And therefore, there's a sense in which the logic of contextual theology, which I've taught for many, many years, is the fact that there is something important about context. There is something important about the place we come from. So therefore, my critique of Brexit isn't the critique that we think of ourselves in particular ways necessarily. It's that we're not always even honest about that thinking, because the truth is every particular group of people have their particular ways of thinking about themselves. That's one of the reasons why the European Union is struggling. The truth is it's struggling because there is a reassertion of the particularity of all the existing members who are saying, okay, like, this is a big idea, but, but at heart of being French is this. And the truth is oftentimes what makes us particular is that which we're not. Yes, we're British, but actually, in a fundamental sense, like we're not French. We're not Germans. We're not like those Italians. And all of us can think of the stereotypes about the people we're not like that affirms who we are, as much as all the positive things that we can say about ourselves. So at one, at one side, there's particularity. Now, at the other side is universality. That's one of the things the Christian faith talks about. It's Catholicity, a word that you don't really hear so much these days. Catholicity, that this body of Christ, this sense of being part of something bigger, especially for you as Anglicans, in, 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 in your own particular understanding, of the Anglican communion. That actually part of the struggle of trying to hold it together is because there is something about being in communion that is deeply important to you, that you want to hold on to, even amongst all the huge strains particularly around sexuality. I'm sure outsiders look and thinking, well, yeah, you know, I mean, just break it up. Just, uh, you know, just let everyone go their own way and do their own thing. Easy enough. Well, it's easy enough, but the thing is that you don't want to do it because it would strike a particular set of identity around what it means to be Anglican. To be Anglican is not to be Church of England. It is, be, it is to be part of a communion. So at the other end, there is universality. Now, the thing is, neither is right or wrong. Both gives us particular strengths and weaknesses, which I'll unpack in a moment. So here's the thing now. One is a very extreme, and by extreme I don't mean in a pejorative sense. Okay, let me find a better word then. 
One is a, is a very strong expression, strong expression of particularity. 20 is a very strong expression of universality. Yeah? Now, of course, as an educator, because I'm, it's just incumbent upon me like, to, to make you feel uncomfortable. After all, that's why you invite me as a black liberation theologian like, to come in to make you feel uncomfortable and to say, my God, he's, he's a real git, isn't he? I am, but I, I, I am, but I'm a very clever one. <laughs> so, here's the thing. You cannot choose any number between eight... No, no, sorry. You can't choose any number between nine and eleven. So on this side, if you're really strong, you'll be one, but... Look, and, and if you're on a particular side, but it gets weaker, actually, you can name yourself at eight. But you can't choose nine, ten, eleven. On this side, if your instinct is to think of your faith and your identity in more universal terms, in terms of our faith, if it's really strong, it's 20. If it's relatively weak, it's 12. And numbers between, but you can't choose 11, 10, 9. Why? Well, two reasons. First is the fact that left to your own devices, everyone's going to go off in the middle. And secondly, and I know to respect and don't take it personally, it's just general human nature. That if you're in the middle, that assumes that we're balanced. And quite frankly, I've never met a fully balanced person yet. It's a myth. All of us are not that balanced. So therefore, I'm forcing you to name yourself on one side of the divide or the other. So, a moment's thought. Well, actually, let's turn to your neighbor. Have a quick chat. Where would you place yourself on that continuum and why? It's, it's your whole selves. It's your whole selves. So 1 to 8, 12 to 20. And you can't be wrong, although like, you can be deluded.
Okay, folks. Okay, folks. Okay, so here we go. So we shall go from... I'm tempted, I'm tempted to, to, to subvert and go from this side to this side, but as my left here, my liberation theologian, if in doubt, always start from the left. So, okay. Anyone, anyone hands up if you're at number one? Okay, 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 okay. Okay, so on this side is particularity. There was something about a particular place that, that or context that you have been shaped by. That's on this side. On this side is more universality. It's, it's, it's something bigger than just a particular place you come by. Of your whole self in which your faith is located in that. It's not important in and of itself so I don't, I, I, don't want, I, don't want, I don't want us like to get tied up by a very specific definition because it's just a way of talking about different impulses in the faith really so you know I mean I'm not going to take a picture and kind of hold it and so I hold you to it so one anyone as far as you understood what I was talking about number two Three, three, and your three because, sorry, do I have a microphone if we can just have a quick, quick sort of vox pox as we go along. We'll do it for everyone, but, but obviously like. Yeah. Ooh, boo, yeah, 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 go on, yeah. 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 Sure. Yeah. And one of the things I would notice that I think is a general truism when I've done this exercise in other places, that people who come from very distinct places are more likely to locate themselves on this. So I've done this exercise actually in Wales with a well-speaking church a well-speaking Presbyterian church, and a lot of them located themselves on this side because they identified themselves as, yes, we're British, and yes, we're Christians, but we're Welsh. And, yeah. Yeah. It is, and in some respects, even as you speak, I hear your Lancastrian accent even more strongly now because it's in London than it would be. Okay, like, so your number? Three or four. Okay, so five, six. Okay, so very, very quickly, that's why you're number six. Um, I think I'm a six uh, because um, I'd say I'm a six uh, because I identify myself 
in specific places where I've been, what's happened in my life, who I'm related to, yeah. who I'm not related to, yeah. um, being married to someone who's quite different class and that kind of thing, I think has emphasised my particularity. Yeah, that's fine. And someone over here. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yes, yeah, I can hear you. Yeah. No, no. Okay, so that's number six. Seven. with better values than we're espousing through Brexit uh, at the moment. Um, yeah, I guess that, that, that's yeah. part of it. Yeah. And that's number seven? Number seven. Yeah. Number eight. Number eight. Further side on this divide. Okay, so we jump the divide. Actually, like, we'll go to the other end. So 20. Anyone at 20, insofar as like you understood what I was saying? 19. 18. Okay, so like, a few 18s over here. Okay, like, so why are you at 18? Not that these things really matter, in all truth. Anyone? A number of us were 18, and we agreed. Yes. <laughs> Because we didn't want to be 20. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's, it's this thing that it is universal. I'm a Christian wherever I am. Yeah. You know. And uh, the Anglicanism is good to a certain place. But if I'm uh, in, when I go to Germany, I go to a Roman Catholic church. You know, I'm still a Christian. Mm -hmm. You know, God doesn't have any label. So I don't want to be tied down by a label. Mm -hmm. You know, so we, I think, is that, is that yeah. more or less what we think? Embracing the diversity yeah. universal church. So that's why we went yeah. in. <coughs> okay, so 17. 16. Okay, so a few 16s. So. Um, I was born into the Roman Catholic Church, so I don't have a lot of time. I'm not terribly impressed by the Anglican Communion, I have to say. Mm. But the universality of ecumenism, I mean, like Rosemary yeah. was saying, yeah. it's very important to me. On the other hand, I've always felt, um, you know, you grow up thinking mm. the Anglicans nicked our churches and stuff like that. So you're quite, it's a different mindset when you're a child. Mm -hmm. And also, actually, the, the people you meet who are black are priests or officers, at, in my case, at the small arms school, they were always more important than the white people in the church. That's quite interesting. But I know that I'm a European. Uh, I get furious with England. But this whole Brexit thing makes me realise 
how much I love it. You know, I hate seeing the BBC make an ass of itself. I hate seeing and hearing some of the stuff that's going on in Parliament. Mm. Uh, And that makes me feel in a weird way at the moment more English, though I reject most of what the majority of English people are saying. Sorry, that's a long speech. Sure, that's America as well. Is there anyone else? No, it's okay. So that was number 16? 15? I'm sorry, you're a 16 as well. Okay, let's not miss out anyway. Um, my universality has been shaped by being born in Nigeria and spent my youth there. It has also been shaped by uh, my coming to the United Kingdom uh, in 1975 and um, traveling all over the world. And also, um, I am comfortable in almost all the church traditions. So that's that's part of the things that has shaped my university. Okay. Thank you. So that's 16. So 15, there are a few hands up here. Anyone in the 15 group who wants to speak, please? Um, yeah, so I was born in Tonga in the South Pacific, so as far away from here as you can get. Grew up Methodist in a very ecumenical family, um, ended up going to the other end of the Anglican spectrum, then trained under generous orthodoxy at St. Melitus. So I, the, the universality thing is really important to me, even though I'm aware how much I love being in London, but part of that is because it is a world city yeah. and it has all of those different things in it. Is there anyone else in there? Yeah, please. I think I might be the lone American in the room, but like to me, Brexit is just a chance for me to be like, haha, we're not the only <laughs> crazy ones at the moment. Um, but as, yeah, as someone who has chosen London um, as a home, as much as you can choose these things um, over and against my American roots, I value universality. Um, but we were just talking about who would you want to spend a night in a pub with somebody, you know, over a, a pint being really, really particular is probably going to be quite interesting. <laughs> and somebody who's quite universal might be a bit meh. So I, <laughs> and as I put myself closer to the end of the, uh, of the universal spectrum there. So there's something about the, the lure of the particularity which keeps mm-hmm. me at yeah. 15 rather than 20. Yeah, sure. Okay, so that was number 15, 14. Um, much the same things as what people have said, that although I'm very much a Londoner, um, I've lived all over the country. Um, I'm an Anglican, but not first and foremost. First and foremost, I'm a Christian. I've been to all different sorts of churches before I was ordained. Um, and I think there's something really important. About, I mean, I like particularity, that's important, but yeah, there's something sure. for me that universality holds. Yeah. More sway, I suppose. Thank you. 13, 12. Um, like some other people in the room, I was, I was born in London, but then have done uh, various locations throughout the UK. Uh, some of those in cities which have similar sort of feels to London, but not to the same degree. So, uh, and as returning here, really enjoy the diversity, really, and, and the richness that that has to offer. Um, so I, I was debating whether, because there wasn't the middle ground, I think I would have chosen the middle yeah, ground. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I could have been eight or 12, but yeah. I, I think I, I accept sort of the universe. Yeah. 
as tality really more than particularity. Although um, I was born in Leighton, and so I'm now reaffirming that, whereas before maybe I didn't. So I'm, I'm rediscovering something of what it means to be a Londoner and yeah. the sort of the tribalism around that. Yeah. Um, and I'm also a West Ham United season ticket holder. Ah. Um, and, and again, that, I'm aware that's another badge or yeah. another sense yeah. of identity and, yeah. and tribalism. Yeah, it is. Okay, like, like, so very quickly then in summation, look at the time. That what I think has always been a distinctive strength of Christianity is what we have just seen, that in any particular place there was a span. And, and, I, and I really want to emphasize this. There's not a case of good or bad on either side. There are good reasons for being on any particular place, particularly on both extremes, because they say something powerful about our faith and identity. That if you start on this side, there is always something about the locatedness of faith and identity. All faith is some type of faith. Every church is some type of church. All of us are some type of Christian. And as... So what's your name? No, no, no. I don't mean you, Lancastrian. I'm not the American behind you. Sorry. Aaron. As I was... Actually, I think it could be Aaron, or maybe it was someone else, about sitting down and having a pint with someone. In one sense... Most powerful stories come from a sense of particularity. That's why it was very easy, I think, for the Leave campaign. Whatever one thinks about some of the tactics they use, because there was a powerful narrative about being British. In a way that you cannot make the same powerful emotional arguments about being European. Actually, actually it's simplistic, but in many respects, it was, it was kind of emotional, visceral on this side, and kind of logical on that side. And the truth is, all of us are impassioned by the stories that help us to understand who we are. Therefore, there's something powerful about this side that we want to cherish. But of course, at its worst, it leads to forms of xenophobia. It leads to forms of very restricted group identity. And at its absolute worst, absolute worst, ethnic cleansing. Because there's a danger when the faith becomes so particularised that it, it gets locked into a set of cultural narratives from which it somehow, it's almost as if the gospel is imprisoned. And that can happen to the best of us. If you, if you want to see that in, in our lifetime, at the last century, then simply look at Nazi Germany. Germany was a, a country that gave us it's a country that gave us higher biblical scholarship. It's a country that gave us Goethe and some of the greatest philosophers who have existed. And yet they descended into a form of tribalism that reduces the gospel to Nazism. And the truth is, for every one person like Bonhoeffer and Niemöller who were part of the Confessing Church, most of the people happily went along with it. This is powerful, but it needs this side to regulate it lest it falls into forms of nationalism where God becomes so contextualised that, that we do a danger reverse. Our scripture tells us that we are creating the image and likeness of God. On this side, we can create God in our likeness and our image. 
Now, to be very clear, it doesn't have to be like that on this side, but it's just to say that if the balance becomes overly on this side, Christians can end up participating in the very kind of things that are almost, not almost, are a contradiction to their faith. Now on this side, its strength is, it gives us a sense of something bigger. It's, it is, in some respects, a corrective to this. That actually there is something about Christianity as a transnational body that is more than just borders and any limited sense of belonging. At its best, it's this bit that helps us to critique and challenge any narrow, bounded sense of, of who really belongs. Because actually all of us belong. In its purest sense, all of us have fallen short of the, of the glory of God. And all of us are here only because of God's grace. That any particular sense of election that makes one group want to feel itself to be inherently the depositum of God is committing blasphemy. Even though we have seen ample examples of it across history. This bit challenges that. But of course it's weaknesses that it lacks specificity. And human beings, we need to belong. We are all tribal, more so than we care to admit. Part of what Brexit is eliciting, as someone said, sorry, your name? As Margaret said, is, is it is eliciting a tribal sense of, not just Britishness, but more specifically Englishness, in ways that have not been part of our conversation nationally for decades. Actually, at one level, that's not a bad thing. Because if there's one critique I would make, certainly of the left, of which I'm part of the left, so I'm making a critique of myself, in, the, in our desire to affirm a certain type of particularity in terms of multiculturalism, we left a vacuum. And the vacuum was, well, what acid does it mean to be English when Englishness makes up 78% of what it is to be part of the union. If you, know, if you talk to Scots, they're very clear about what Scottishness is. You talk to Welsh, absolutely. Englishness, particularly if it's, if it's, if it's kind of Cornwall, you know, I mean, I've, I've done teaching on Cornwall and Devon, I mean, I mean, that's a whole other country by all by itself, quite frankly. They've got a specificity. But actually, but just to be average English, what does that mean? Anglo-Saxon. And it's very interesting how I think the right has, has managed to mobilise people around a particular notion of Englishness and purity. That actually, actually, if we go far enough back, then actually, if we go far enough back, then we can find a particular pure version of Englishness, which oftentimes is sudden for whiteness. Part of what we need to reconstruct is a conversation that says, actually, there is power in being English, there is nothing wrong with being English. There is power in our flags. The flag should not belong to the right. The flags belong to all of us. Therefore, 
On the one hand, we've got to reconstruct what our particularity is around what it's to be British. I don't want people to be ashamed of being British. I'm not ashamed of being British. I just want us to be more honest around how that is constructed. But part of our gift as Christians is that we are not just solely located within a particular land or a particular set of borders or even defined entirely by a particular passport. That every time we say the Lord's Prayer, what we're also affirming is that the values of the kingdom transcend any particularity. And they put us in solidarity with others. And ideally, as I would say as a liberation theologian, they put us in solidarity with the people who are the ones who are most problematized and the ones who are most scapegoated, which includes white working class people. It's very interesting that if, if you dig into the votes, actually the truth is it was largely white middle class Anglicans in, in the shires that helped to deliver Brexit, not poor white working class people in cities. It's very interesting historically how there's always been a way in which white middle class people have been able to pass off their own fragility and blame poor folk. It's those ignorant people who don't really know better when actually, if you look at the voting patterns, actually white middle class people actually did no different than poor people. It's just that it's always easier to scapegoat poor. I can understand why poor white people voted for Brexit. I can understand why they have been convinced by rich white people who they believe are in solidarity. Whenever rich white conservative people ever been in solidarity with poor white working class people? I mean, tell me, when was that? It's a myth. But the problem is that myths can control us if they're not challenged on deconstructed. Part of the gift that every one of you has in ministry is that we have a narrative that says that everybody matters. I don't want to penalise people for how they voted, but I want to challenge them to say that actually we are our brothers, and, our brothers and sisters' keeper. Finally, thing I want to say, which actually comes from one of my great heroes, which is one and only Martin Luther King. And today is the 4th of April. A very poignant day for those who follow Martin Luther King. And King once said this about why his vision for the beloved community was a Christian vision. Oftentimes what gets missed as we look at his activism is that like, we think of him as a social activist. Yes, he was a social activist, but his social activism was underpinned by being a Baptist minister, a Christian minister. And he said this, he said, as Christians, we above all people should be able to disagree without being disagreeable. We of all people should be able to construct a conversation along this continuum and understand where people have placed themselves and why and understand the narratives that help to define where they are and to find ways to disagree, to challenge but without being disagreeable our scandal of not being one as Jesus says in, in John 17 our scandal of being one is that we have not mimicked to the world what we want them to see of God that is love and can enable us to disagree, but to disagree in love, to speak the truth in love as we understand it, understand that none of us has a monopoly on the truth. Well, no one except for me, of course.
Part of the gift I hope that we as church can offer are places of reconciliation. Are places where we can talk with each other without being disagreeable. In the knowledge that actually our faith encapsulates the whole span of why people place themselves in particular places and the political argument. There's no one group that has the absolute final word on God, but actually part of the gift of communion, which we will be celebrating in a moment. Hey, look how it comes together. As we share bread and wine, shortly, it reminds us of the brokenness of the world. But it reminds us ultimately of the reconciling work of Christ that reconciles us to each other and ultimately to God's very self. And the gift we have to offer the world is a way of being that affirms and challenges all of us, because all of us have fallen short of the glory of God, but does so in the love of Christ. Thank you very much. Thank you.